you could ever need, starting right now. Welcome into the Water Break, the best late-night sports show on 88.9 The Bridge. I am McLean here virtually with Cy, Will, and Creed, and I'm really happy to be here with you guys, as I always am. So, we'd like to get things started by talking about the biggest event in sports right now, March Madness. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I think it's crazy that UCLA is in the Final Four. I mean, no one really saw this coming. I think it was there must have been a big problem with the seeding because these guys are just playing really good right now. Uh, but I, I really don't think that they can beat the Zags. I'm going with the Zags in that matchup. What do you guys think? Um, uh, I'm, I'm also taking the Zags, but I am not uh, going to discount the run that UCLA has had. I mean, those Bruins have um, really just punched well above their weight class. They won a defensive slugfest with Michigan and were able to shoot out with Alabama. It was insanity, the amount of, you know, punching above their weight that they've done. They've knocked out a one seed and a two seed with the opportunity to knock out another one seed tomorrow at 5 p.m. It's, I, I can't believe it. UCLA have had, I, I think this is... Uh, not hyperbole to say that this is the best uh, Cinderella run probably since this is the best Cinderella run in a long time is what I'm going to say. Yeah, since UConn, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's especially impressive that they managed to hold Michigan to about 50 points. I don't remember the exact score, but uh, it's crazy because Michigan's a really good team, but I honestly can't see them making it past Gonzaga. They've been so dominant recently, and they're such a good team. I'm a bit biased because, you know, my dad went to school there, and I go to Spokane quite a bit, but uh, I love Gonzaga, and I think they got the win this year, hopefully, in the bag. Yeah, so for that Michigan Michigan game, uh, Michigan had 49, and I think it was UCLA had... 51. Um, 51. Yeah, it was a so. slugfest. Came right down to the wire. Yeah. Bar- barely won it, but yeah, they did keep them under 50. Yeah, they were able to hold Michigan, win that defensive standstill right after turning around and uh, beating Bama in one of the higher scoring games. They beat Bama by 10. 
score of 88 to 78. That was pretty crazy. That was an entertaining game on that Sunday. It's uh, really weird to think about uh, UCLA's Cinderella run. I think while they've been the big story, they're probably the least likely of the final four teams to take home a championship, right? I think we can agree that uh, with Illinois out of the picture, and since Illinois has been out of the picture for such a long time now, the the Nets are um, they're the Zags to lose. I think it'll be yeah. Gonzaga cutting down the Nets. Um, maybe Baylor stands in their way. but I had Houston going into the championship in my bracket. I had Houston and Zags going in, and hopefully the Zags win. Um, but they've yeah, both hopefully. been really good teams. I had, yeah, no, and I mean... I had oh, Illinois over Michigan. <laughs> I was wrong. Yeah, Proud, no, proud to I, announce my misfire. Yeah, and I think the Zags are just rolling right now. Jalen Suggs in the last game had 18 points, and I think... It was uh, eight assists and ten rebounds, so that guy's going crazy. And Drew Timmy, he's been going crazy this whole tournament. He had twenty three points in their last game against USC. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, honestly pretty crazy. I think uh, you know Houston and Baylor. That's that game is tomorrow. That's the first game. I think that'll be nice. It'll be really interesting uh, to see how Quentin Grimes performs. Uh, he's the guard for Houston. He's uh, not been making as many headlines as a lot of his peers, but he's you know still apparently important enough to uh, come up first when you Google Houston <laughs> Houston uh, men's basketball. It's um, pretty cool. He's not a guy I've heard a lot from uh, in in the headlines, but it'll be he's definitely a guy to watch. Do you guys want to predict the uh, the Houston game? You want to predict the score? Um, I I I personally don't really know all too much about basketball. You um, well, come on, throw your hat in, right? Yeah, I, I'll I'll say um, I'll take Houston on this one. All right, score. Um, let's see, seventy three to sixty eight. All right, five. all right. Yeah, Anybody I'm gonna else? have to say. I'm gonna have to say that I like Baylor in this one, but I'll say it's gonna be like seventy-five to seventy. All right. Mm, Will well, you wanna try? I mean, yeah, I know nothing about basketball too, but I'd say U of H. I'm gonna say just looking at some of the trends we've seen in this term, I'd say more low scoring. So I'm gonna go sixty-two to fifty-nine. Close game. All right. Now I'm gonna go against the grain. I think we're gonna get a shootout. I think there's going to be a lot of offense. These scoreboards are going to get lit up. And I'm liking Baylor. I mentioned earlier, you know, Houston has been not really grabbing headlines. There's not a lot of, you know, exciting firepower uh, superstars on this team. But I'm liking Baylor. I think Baylor comes out on top. I think it'll be an offensive dogfight. It'll be, I'm going to say, Baylor 81, Houston 80. I think it'll be really close. I think Baylor gets the final shot and they sink it. That's my prediction. Baylor got 81 cool. in their last game. Yeah. Do, do, do you guys want to try and pick the uh, the other finals game, the late game? Oh, man. Um, I would have to say that Gonzaga is just going to blow out UCLA. I don't know. I feel like it's gonna, they're going to win by at least 10 points. So I'll say, I'll say a score of uh, maybe 60 to 70. 
Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I think that's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, Gonzaga is just such a good team. With Illinois and Michigan both out of the picture, I think they have such a clear path that if anything were to go wrong at this point, it would be kind of sad. Um, but yeah, I'll take Gonzaga by 10 or 15. You know, I probably would say Gonzaga by 10 or 15 like everybody else, but UCLA won by 10 points against Alabama. So I'd say, and also, I think my dad went to UCLA for a little bit, so... I've got a little, a little bit of bias, not much, because you know, he only went there for a little bit. But I'd say I'd like to say US, UCLA, but I'll go with Gonzaga by, by about four points. All right, so you're gonna go with the Zags in a close one. I think I'm also going to go with the Zags in a close one. I don't think maybe four will be the final deficit. I think there will be some offense. I don't think the same UCLA defense that held Michigan to such a low total is going to show up. I think there will be a lot more offense. Maybe not as much as my prediction for the Houston game, but I think there will be some offense. I'm going to say my final score, I'll take Gonzaga. I'll go Gonzaga 73, and I'll say UCLA gets 70. I think so. I lied. It is going to be close. UCLA has punched above their weight for this entire tournament. I think picking on them to get blown out, as dominant as I think Gonzaga is, I mean, their absolute demolition of USC. USC were my Cinderella team going in. Um, And, you know, the Zags made my pick look stupid. Yeah. So um, just want to clarify, did I say um, in the last game they scored 10 more than Alabama? Uh, you said they outscored Alabama. Ago. You didn't specify when oh, okay. the game was. Cool. I, I confused myself then. Yeah. No, you're cool. Uh, so when they played at, when they played Bama in the second round, they did uh, they did outscore them quite handily. I know my uncle was pretty upset after Michigan lost because he's a he's from Michigan, so that was a big bummer for him. Um, but yeah, that was a great game, just from what I've heard about it. Yeah. Oh, so so March Madness is always fun because I think it's like the second most sentimental of the American sports, you know, other than baseball. Baseball is just all sentimentality. Um, But I think NCAA basketball is really fun. You see guys make emotional decisions on their brackets all the time. And I'd like to ask you guys, has an emotional decision on a bracket ever worked out for you? Yeah, I, I kind of want to take the chance to talk about a bracket that you guys might have heard about. I had not last year because of coronavirus, but two years ago. And I picked a bunch of random teams, and I specifically remember picking UW uh, as an upset. I think I picked Oregon as an upset, and I also picked Wisconsin as an upset. And the only reason I did that was because, one, I was born in Oregon. Two, my mom went to UW, so I picked them. And then three, Wisconsin has like a really, really good hockey team, so I just picked them for pretty much no reason. And I think all of those picks ended up doing pretty well, and I just got really lucky. And I remember for a time, I have a picture of it on my phone. But my bracket was the number 47th bracket in all of like the ESPN uh, countings. And that was only like somewhere in the first round. I get got knocked down way after uh, some of my teams didn't make it much farther. But, you know, it's cool. And I think it is fun to just pick who you want, not who you think's better. Yeah, I mean, the emotional decisions are fun. Uh, I just... Mm-hmm. The only time that uh, an emotional decision has ever worked out for me uh, was... Two years ago, when Loyola Chicago were on their Cinderella run, um, I predicted I called them to win in the Elite Eight play-in. I predicted that they would pull off the upset and get into the Final Four, and I was right. So that was cool. There's there's my emotional decision win. Uh, Creed side, <laughs> do you guys have a story? Well, I I do, but not for basketball. All right. Well, it's you're on the radio. Let's hear it. Yeah. All right. So every once in a while. 
I think it's like, I don't know, we haven't been super consistent with it, but my family will make like a playoff bracket for the NFL. And uh, because I'm such a massive Vikings fan, um, I usually will almost never want to kick them out of my bracket. Um, and so I remember the year that uh, we got the Minnesota Miracle. Um, I, I think most, I think pretty much everyone in my family chose the Saints in that game. And I chose the Vikings, so that was that was a big win for me in multiple ways. Um, and outside of that, I don't really think I've had any wins just emotion-based because I, I haven't done many brackets, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. all right. Well, uh, cool stories. Cy, do you have a story? Yeah, I mean, same for me with the NFL. I thought the Seahawks were going to the Super Bowl this year, but nope. No. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Um, all right, well, all very cool stories. Uh, I think Will's story, definitely great. Something we could all uh, stand to replicate. So this is this has been a PSA from the water break to go make your emotional decisions. Um, and yep. with that, I think we're going to head to break. Thank you guys for listening to uh, the March Madness recap on the water break. Stay tuned. Next segment, we're going to do uh, trivia with Will, and we're going to do Ooh. the Mariner's Mailbag. So that'll be fun. You guys stay tuned for that. Uh, we will be right back on 88.9 The Bridge. What's going on, 88.9 The Bridge listeners? We're back on the water break, and today we got a little something special for you. Uh, I know it's been a while, like almost over a year since we've last done this, uh, but here at the water break, we're bringing back our trivia segment, which we've done a lot. Uh, we've had some people who've lost quite a few games and some people who tend to win a lot. I'm not naming names. Um, but today I'm hosting the first one, uh, and there's, these are going to be all hockey questions. Don't worry, they're not going to be crazy hard questions, but you know, uh, got to have some fun stuff. And then if no one has an answer, just don't say it. We're going first to three and say your name because we are all, uh, not in person. We're all online at our houses recording this. So it's going to be a bit tough, but you just got to say your name and I'll basically just call on whoever says their name first to answer. Yeah. Also, All this right. is Sai's first trivia show. Oh, yeah, yeah that's so, true. Yeah. Cool. So welcome, Sai. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. It's yeah. be so we're, we're going first to three. All right. You All guys right. ready? All right. Yes. First question. What year did Wayne Gretzky retire? Uh, McLean. Yep. 1999. That is correct. Oh, I got one, one for McLean. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's kind of just a weird thing that I think he did on purpose to kind of cement his legacy even more. Uh, with the whole yeah. 99 thing, but it's cool, you know? Yeah. All right, next I question. only knew that because that was his number. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Who is the second all-time scoring in the NHL? And Wayne Gretzky's the first, by the way. Obviously. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I feel like I know place. this. Hint, he's no not idea. a Canadian. He's like the only non-Canadian uh, that is up there for points. Is he an active player? No. No. Hmm. Uh, Creed. Let's hear it. Um, is it, his name's Bobby Orr, right? No. No. He's a defenseman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Isn't Orr already a Canadian, too? So and he is, yeah. yeah. So, that would, so, doesn't, so you lose twice. You got both, yeah. yeah uh, man, anyone else want to give it a shot? I don't know. It, not being a Canadian, that screwed me over. I'm trying to think of my old Russian players, but... He's not Russian, Russian either. Not Russian? Is he an no. American? Uh, nope. No? Huh. Finish? From, like, you guys want me to? No, it's yeah, not we give you up. To tell you? All right, it's uh, Yomer Yager. I think I might have mispronounced yeah. his name. Uh, but he's he used to have is. that crazy hair, uh, really curly. He's a really good player too. 
Yeah. Okay, that one might have been a bit too hard. Oh, I'm man, sorry. Really you psyched me. You psyched there. me out. You psyched me out. Yeah. Dude, Have me trying okay, to think so of Russian ev- players. No. Yeah. For everything is Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, you probably shouldn't answer that for the next question, because uh, with the Kraken, how many teams will the NHL have in the next season? McLean. Let's hear it. Thirty-two. Yes, sir. Yeah. Come on, you guys need to jump nice. on the names. He's Darn. one away from winning. Okay, I was. We're like barely like through our questions. Thirty-three. Here. So. I All was right. Close. After the miracle on ice, who did Team USA beat after Russia to secure gold? Uh, McLean. Uh, Sai. I don't know. McLean I heard McLean won. first. Finland. Finland is Finland. Come on, guys. You let him have that way too 3-0. easy. 3 0. That was <laughs> way go. too easy. That was oh, man, I don't know anything about hockey. Well, right? yeah. was, would you have guessed Finland? <laughs> I would have guessed Canada. <laughs> it was. Because so I know. They, no, Canada, Canada got eliminated earlier in that tournament oh oh okay yeah yeah no i just know canada's good and usually the u.s plays them in the final or something like that so <laughs> yeah that is, that's not a bad guess but i don't know maybe that one was a bit too hard uh anyways congratulations mclean and i guess we're gonna throw it over to you for our next segment here all right so there's oh, my yeah. win in trivia which means that next week if we continue with trivia if you guys like it uh, we'll play next week. Now, what we're going to bring to the table now is while we've traditionally used a more round table format on this show to talk NFL and stuff, we're going to go for more of a mailbag format where we will ask me questions about the Seattle Mariners because it was opening day uh, yesterday if you're listening live and if you're listening on Spotify, I don't know when opening day was, but uh, it was it was April 1st. Yesterday was opening day. The Mariners won a thriller. Uh, Marco Gonzalez faltered early, gave up a lot of runs. Then the Giants' bullpen melted down, gave up a lot of Mariners' runs, and they came back to uh, walk it off in the bottom of the 10th on Jake Fraley's walk. Uh, Now, a walk-off walk is pretty rare, but it's really rare when you consider that that was Jake Fraley's fourth time reaching base that day without recording a hit, which is uh, pretty rare. (laughs) He walked three times and got hit by a pitch once. Wow. Yeah, finished 0-for-1 on the day with three walks, a hit-by-pitch, and a line-out. That's not a bad day. I yeah, mean, he's I, on base. I would have given him player of the game, that's for certain. And not to mention he had the win, He had the, the game-winning walk-off walk. Oh, uh, that's sad. they really walked him for the game. Yeah, they walked that's him bad. for the game winner. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to do a mailbag format where uh, we're going to... Our phone is offline right now. Where it's uh, going through some stuff. Uh, but what we can do is read texts from the computer. So if you guys text in, we will read them next week. We'll read your Mariners questions on the air. So if you guys have a Mariners question, text it in to 206-275-9104, and we'll read it next week on the show. Now, right now, uh, we didn't promote this at all, so we're going to have uh, Creed, Will, and Cy ask the questions. Oh, okay. You, I can okay, start because I, I have say a couple. One thing. You, know, you know what's kind of sad? What? Um, the fact that a player of the game could have been given to someone who just walked and, you know, really didn't do anything. like Well, he was know, good if, in the field. He was good in the field, too. I know, but, like, not hitting anything, getting hit, like, that that just seems... Well, I mean, the I Mariners know. only had six hits on the day. So. Baseball's a crazy sport. Baseball's a crazy sport. I mean, the Giants' bullpen really melted down. They walked a lot of batters. I think they had more walks than they had hits. Uh, Jake Fraley drew three walks and got hit once. Uh, J.P. Crawford walked twice, and I don't think anybody else walked more than once. Uh, Ty France had uh, had a hit reached base a couple times. I'm, I'm, I really can't think of anybody else to give the player the game to. 
so they had six hits, but they scored eight runs. Yeah, That's it was all from pitching. from driving wow. in walks, and a couple of them scored on an error. So Jose Marmolejos, who oh. was a pinch hitter for one at bat, never played in the field, uh, got hit a ground ball to second base. Um, or hit a ground ball to first, and then Brandon Belt, the Giants' first baseman, tried to throw it to second. Uh, Brandon Crawford let it go through his glove, uh, and two runs scored on the error. So that's how those came across. And you don't get credit for a hit for reaching on an error, but you do get credit for the RBIs. So okay, interesting. That's how I that didn't works. know that. Also, if you, can, if you hit in, the other uh, way that a lot of runs came through was in the eighth inning. The first couple of batters were walks, um, and then Dylan Moore came to the plate with a lot of speed on the base paths. It was like Trammell, Fraley, and uh, I think, no, not Crawford. It was Trammell and Fraley were on base, and then Moore came to the plate, uh, hit a double. He got one hit, and they had, it was their first hit of the inning. He had one hit, and two runs scored. And then Moore wow. would go on to score on the error a couple of at-bats later. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So I got a couple questions for you, uh, mostly regarding the roster, because with all the switches they've been doing, I have absolutely no idea who they're fielding aside from Kyle Seeger. That's yeah. literally about it. So who do they have as like their start, their number one pitcher this year? The number one, the ace pitcher in the rotation is Marco Gonzalez, who, by the way, Gonzaga Bulldog. So he should be pretty happy oh. with the uh, with the results of the NCAA tournament. That's pretty cool. Uh, and gun and. Uh, from Gonzaga, of course, this is going to look pretty weird if the Zags go and lose to UCLA tomorrow, but yeah. So, but Marco Gonzalez, uh, has been the ace for a couple of years now. He took the ball on opening day, was acquired in a trade from the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, a couple of years back when the Mariners, they, he was actually like a win now move. And those guys tend not to stick around on rebuilds, but he was young and under control and he's extremely consistent, much more of a finesse pitcher than the power guys of years past, like the, the Felix Hernandez's and the James Paxtons of the world. Marco's fastball tops out around 91, but his real value comes to the team in the form of sliders, which for a left-handed pitcher, he's got a really good slider and uh, the sinker-cutter combination and the changeup. So he throws a lot of pitches, a lot of breaking balls, uh, and really relies more on finesse to get his outs than to get, than like generating strikeouts and overpowering guys. Uh, but he's a much better finesse pitcher than the Mariners have employed in years past. There's there's an argument to be made that he's the best uh, soft thrower since Jamie Moyer. Who are we rolling out at second base? So the second base role looked to be decided by committee. It's been a real revolving door since Robinson Cano was traded to the Mets in 2018. Uh, last season, it looked like the spot was shed longs to lose, uh, but he, he and he was supposed to battle for the spot in training camp. But he wound up getting injured uh, and had to start the season uh, down in the alternate site. So right now, yeah. Dylan Moore, the longtime utility player, is now getting a shot to be the everyday player at second base. And he's hit well enough. He hit well enough last season to justify holding on to that spot. But it should be some combination of Dylan Moore getting the lion's share of reps. Uh, utility infielder Sam Haggerty, who was a waiver claim from the New York Mets, should factor in. And Ty France, the DH uh, that we got in a trade with the Padres last season, has also shown some ability at second base and played it a little in San Diego. So he might get a few reps there. All right, I'll I'll do one more question, then I'll kind of get out of the way so everyone else can answer, ask some. Um, but with the Mariners' first win, and I know we're undefeated, what do you think the odds of us making the playoffs this year are? 
I would say the odds, I don't think they're good, but they're better than a lot of people in Seattle are crediting. This is a young team with a ton of upside, and we haven't even talked about the reigning rookie of the year, Kyle Lewis. He started the season uh, on the injury reserve, but he showed a lot of flashes last season, showed legitimate star potential. I think that he could help out this team down the stretch in a big way. Not to mention, we've got a lot of high-reward pitchers on our team, guys like James Paxton, who... If he can just stay healthy, uh, his second stint in Seattle should go much better than his first. And Chris Flexen, who pitched extremely well in Korea last season, uh, despite having, you know, not done so well in New York, his first uh, stint in the bigs. Uh, plus, Yusei Kikuchi is a nice high reward guy. He hasn't really shown results in his last two years, but the advanced stats show that he was really, really unlucky. So if, you know, the stars can align on Kikuchi, he might help us get to the playoffs. I'd say that our playoff odds... It's not the, you know, million to one shot, but I would still put us around 10%. 10% playoff chance for the Seattle Mariners. That's not too great. That's not too Sorry. great. Oh, but... Sai and Creed, do you guys got any questions? Well, I'd yeah, say that 10% you... chance is better than they've had previous years. So Definitely. And I think that this season is really going to be like a prove-it season. If uh, the Mariners can get to 500 this year, it'll do a huge part in convincing free agents to come to the club in the offseason. You know, nobody wants to. Nobody who's ring-chasing wants to hitch themselves to the Seattle Mariners, right? You, if you're ring-chasing, you want to go to the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Jays or something. Uh, but if Seattle can scratch and claw their way to 500, they could throw money at a true ace in um in free agency which marco is good but he doesn't really have the profile of a true number one he's more just a finesse pitcher who's really good at what he does yeah uh, okay well i have a question who would you say is like our star player this year like the the best player on our team the superstar this year is definitely going to be center fielder kyle lewis but he is injured he's coming off a unanimous rookie of the year campaign uh where he uh you know, was some among the best players in baseball uh, for a couple of months to, to open his career. He's hit extremely well, uh, really flashed five-tool potential. Um, but while he's injured, the biggest name to watch on the Mariners are probably Mitch Hanniger and Kyle Seeger. Kyle Seeger uh, was an all-star a while back, and he's a gold glove talent. Uh, so he's always going to have the glove, but he's got a new look swing that should allow him to beat some of the shifts that he's seen, the defensive shifts. He's a real pull hitter. So uh, his, the shift has becoming more popular in recent years has really tanked his numbers. But um, but he's uh, he's not very similar in play style to the other Mariners star, Mitch Hanniger, who's a uh, all fields hitter, um, does not have a pull or push tendency. And, you know, has flashed excellent potential in with the glove, but he also hasn't been fully healthy for a couple seasons. His his last fully healthy campaign was 2018, where the Mariners were like on the verge of a playoff push and he was an all star. So if he can uh, regain his 2018 form, he's definitely a, a star for this team. Is Jerry DePoto still with the Mariners? Jerry Depoto is still the GM. However, this is his and Scott Service's walk year. So uh, if ownership uh, doesn't like what they see this year, uh, Depoto and Service probably won't be back if, they, if, uh, if it all goes wrong. However, if it goes right, if they can even get this team to like the in within like spitting distance of 500, I predict they should be back. 
This is good management, and they've executed the early stages of the rebuild well, stocked the farm system, turned what was the number 29 farm system in baseball to the number 3 farm system in baseball, without jettisoning any, jettisoning any young, controllable talent. Interesting. Okay. Well, and how long do you think the Mariners are going to be able to kind of get their team together, get some more talent on them, and kind of make a push into the playoffs and hopefully for a championship? Well, this is their prove-it season. Uh, year three of the rebuild, at least year three of the Mariners' plan, uh, really embarked on their young players showing a lot of development this season. And the coronavirus uh, shortened season last season stopped guys like the aforementioned Kyle Lewis and you know younger younger pitchers like Justice Sheffield, Justin Dunn, and Eric Swanson from getting uh, you know a full season's worth of work. Swanson was even uh, booted out of the starting rotation uh, because of the shortened season last season uh, and moved into the bullpen where he profiles as more of a reliever or flip around guy. Now, uh, this is really going to have to be the prove-it season. So if the Mariners can't, you know, drag this team to within spitting distance of 500, the rebuild will have to continue for another year. Uh, but if all goes well this season, they'll spend money in free agency, add some veteran talent, uh, preferably starting pitchers, with maybe some help in the bullpen too, and look to contend in 2022. All right, any other questions? I think that's it. Think that's it? All right, that's it for the Mariners mailbag. Uh, now, I was hoping I would get to talk about uh, one of my f- uh, favorite uh, happenstances of this club, uh, which is the fact that they're able to get another season uh, out of Evan White. And he's a guy, Evan White, is a guy who was extended uh, for six years before he even stepped foot on a Major League Baseball field. They uh, extended this kid sight on scene just based on how he performed in A Arkansas. And he didn't hit very well last year, but he got the advanced stats show that he was really unlucky. His, um, his BABIP was extremely low, which if you don't know, is a stat that uh, like tracks your batting average on balls in play, B-A-B-I-P, BABIP. Uh, and Evan White's was really low. Generally, a healthy BABIP is around the 200 range, which means that 20%, so one out of every five batted balls, is a hit. And that's normally about league average. For guys, for slapstick hitters, guys like Ichiro Suzuki, D. Gordon, guys whose game is slapping the ball on the ground and running it out, their BABIPs will be much higher in the 300 to 350 range. But for you know big slugging power hitters like Evan White, 200 is sustainable. Evan White's BABIP last season was 111. It was not good. Uh, And that's not a fault of his own. It's just a matter of him hitting a bunch of screaming line drives straight at defenders. His barrel rate and exit velo were in the top half of the league. He was a very good hitter by the advanced metrics. Not a very good average hitter, but an extremely valuable power hitter. And he fills a void that this team really hasn't had since the likes of Nelson Cruz packed it up for Minnesota. It's, um... Evan White at first base could finally solve uh, the issues at a keystone position for these Mariners teams. Uh, And I think he's a part of the rebuild that should stick around long term. He's um, definitely one of my favorite stories for this season, and his continued development should be a reason to turn on the TV and watch these Mariners every night. So that's uh, I've said my piece. I um, am here to answer all of your Mariners questions. Uh, I love talking about the Mariners. It's fun. Uh, but I figure, you know, if you've got any questions about the Mariners or baseball in general, uh, text them into the station. 206-275-9104 is our number. And uh, we will answer your questions next week on the show. 
And with that, uh, we're going to probably wrap things up here at the water break. We'd like to thank you all for listening. Uh, for Cy Creed and Will, I am McLean, wishing you guys a happy weekend and begging you to keep listening on 88.9 The Bridge for more music and conversation that spans generations. We're out. <laughs>